Welcome to Season 5 of the Let's Talk Data podcast series, presented by SAP, where we explore game-changing technologies with leading experts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Let's Talk Data podcast. My name is Bill Kahn, and I'll be your host today. And we're going to talk about best practices for your journey to the intelligent enterprise. We're joined by three experts who are uniquely qualified to share their experiences and insights and provide some practical guidance on how to digitally transform your business and become an intelligent enterprise. We're going to focus on three key areas for our discussion today. Number one, data migration. Two, application testing. And three, legacy decommissioning. For the data migration topic, we have Leonard Maganza from our partner, Synity. Leonard, please tell us about yourself. Hey, Bill, thanks for having me here. I'm dialing in from Houston, Texas. I'm the Chief Customer Officer at Synity, um, where I've been for 19 years, as I like to tell people, um, been in the data business since before data was cool. Bill, back to you. Thank you, Leonard. Uh, great to have you. Now to cover application testing area, we have Oscar Trump from our partner, Presentist. Oscar? Yeah, thank you so much. My name is Oscar Tromp. I'm based in the Netherlands, in Europe, uh, living very close to Amsterdam. Uh, I'm responsible for the EMEA region for the SAP business. And finally, for legacy decommissioning, let me introduce Nick Malden from OpenText. Nick? Thanks, Bill. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nick Malden. I'm part of the OpenText go-to-market organization, and I'm also um, based in, in Texas and been working in, with, the, with the SAP space and OpenText space for around 10 years or so. Great. Thank you, Nick. So let's get into it. We all know that digital transformation is gaining steam, and customers are not only looking to optimize business processes, increase margins, and improve customer experiences, but also, in many cases, just stay in business. As we know, businesses such as travel, restaurants, some retailers were forced to shut down during this pandemic. The essential businesses, on the other hand, saw increased revenue and business activity. However, majority of the companies fell somewhere in the middle, ranging from some revenue loss and some level of growth, but most are in a recovery state as their businesses return to a steady state level. Such a development would certainly be a welcomed news after a highly unpredictable year. However, many executives now also realize that their business processes are not as digital as they thought they were. In today's podcast, we will dig a little deeper into understanding the challenges that the businesses are facing and what kind of solutions and best practices would make their journey to a digital or an intelligent enterprise as successful as possible. I find it helpful to talk with a specific customer situation in mind. So I've asked our guest speakers to imagine a global consumer product company with over 10 billion in revenue and 30,000 employees, has multiple SAP ECC systems and SAP S4HANA and some non-SAP systems as well. Their goal is to become an intelligent enterprise in the next three years. They have made the decision to go with SAP and want to start the journey as soon as this fall. What do they need to know when it comes to data migration? Do they simply lift and shift all their data? And what about application testing? They have built some customized applications like many have. How do they test those or do they need to test those? And finally, what do they do with the legacy systems once they have made that move? 
to answer all these questions. Let me start with Leonard first. One of the key areas of complexity when moving to a new system, such as SAP S4 HANA from multiple SAP and non-SAP systems, is data migration. Could you tell us what are key challenges and how our customers can better prepare themselves when it comes to data migration? And if you could talk about the kinds of benefits they can achieve by deploying some of these best practices, that would be great, Leonard. Hey, hey Bill, thanks again. So first of all, you know, um, you use the dirty word uh, lift and shift, right? And uh, that is like a really good jumping off point to talk about data migration. Um, you know, I mentioned I'm currently living in Houston, but for all the listeners, you can tell from my accent, I'm sure, as I get more passionate, I'm originally from New York City. Um, and people have equated uh, in explaining to people what a data migration is and, and the risks and rewards, business benefits if you do it right, to a move. Uh, and when I made that move, it was a busy time in my life. And, and I was one of those guys who said, you know, let me do the lift and shift <laughs> and uh, just take everything I had in New York City and move it to Houston and got a big moving truck and they loaded it up. But keep in mind, even though I was going from a very small house, maybe it was uh, 2000 square feet on a good day, uh, I was moving temporarily into a 1000 square foot apartment. And when that truck showed up, I had big regrets, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> like. Putting us putting aside the obvious, like how is it going to walk around all these boxes? But like these are the questions I ask when someone says I just want to do the lift and shift. I'm doing business today, and that's kind of like what I was thinking, right? The first question is, you know, do you really want to pay for all the real estate to hold all that stuff, right? So another one, and you think about the expensive real estate today in the cloud, etc. Now I experienced that, right? I was jamming it in everywhere, and I had to go out and get a storage unit, right? So number one, I should have rationalized, you know, the at a minimum, the duplicates I had, let alone the obsolete stuff that I had, right? And then the second question is, as I as I was sorting through that, you know, I really hadn't reconciled what should be in the storage unit because I was doing it in a very short amount of time versus what I needed, right? Because I, I didn't do this in a plan, right? Mm -hmm. So I hope that's an illustration about, guys, you know, why you should think about data in advance. We think about it, and you already alluded to it, you know, like kind of five strategic decisions, right? You know, one of them is bringing all but only the data you need and that will get coupled with uh, some sort of archiving strategy because you don't want to keep those legacy systems around. Oftentimes, a big piece of the ROI is, you know, uh, decommissioning things, right? So right. definitely factor that in. You should think about your reporting needs, not just long term, but even interim, because that will be a big impact of how much history you, know, you should migrate. Certainly, you'll, you should think about data quality. You know, uh, my data for dummies example is. You know, simple duplicate vendors will undermine your ability to get volume discounts. Uh, duplicate spare parts uh, will have people uh, carrying too much inventory. And by the way, there's a great consumer products example, right? You know, if you think about sizing guides and color grids and today material segmentation, all the things to reduce the number of SKUs uh, and read between the lines, reduce the number of inventory or amount of inventory, right? Huge yeah. dollar savings, right? And significant for consumer products. Uh, and then think about other things, you know, um, Master data management, not just long term, but in the interim process. A lot of people do these digital transformations to the intelligent enterprise during in, in phases. What are you going to do in the middle phase? Right. Uh, where are you going to create that next piece of master data? Obviously, where you need it. But do you do dual maintenance? Do you do nothing and do match merge later? Do you put in, uh, you know, a, an MDM solution in advance that will federate to both the old and the new system? I and mean, there's a lot of things to think through. 
Uh, and then the fifth pillar of this, you know, you may not even know what the word metadata management means or a business class or a data catalog, but you probably know what personal identifiable information means. And today you have to care, right? If you're multinational, you'll care about GDPR. Uh, you're in California, you'll care about CCPA. You get the idea. Uh, particularly relevant consumer products industries because most of those industries are B2C consumer, right? So it's more than just a credit card data today. It's literally the names and the head of household and things you have to worry about. So uh, these are the kind of things you have to think about. We got a lot of people who say, uh, I don't care. I just want to lift and shift. What you're really saying is then I don't care about business outcomes, <laughs> right? Because things like volume discounts and uh, carrying too much inventory, these are business drivers, right? So we don't view the data in the abstract, right? We view it very much integrated into the business outcomes, you know, which is the reason why we think you can't just do business as usual. And you really need to take this opportunity uh, to optimize the business, to optimize the data. Thank you, Leonard, for that. Really appreciate it. I, I, I totally agree. Data without the context of business is, is, is not very valuable. All right, next, we want to talk about application testing, a very critical part of any journey or transformation project, of course. Companies, big and small, are constantly changing their business processes to introduce services, products, and ultimately to become you know, competitive in the marketplace. These changes could come from either within the organization as new ideas or innovations, or maybe from external pressures such as regulatory compliance. How can businesses ensure that they have strong foundation for managing their application lifecycle, especially when it comes to application testing? Oscar, we'd love to hear your thoughts on, on this topic. Sure, and again, thanks for having me today on this call. And and basically, it, there is a lot of commonology if we listen to our customers. And, and let's maybe start with two quotes from, from uh, our customers. And, and the first one I like a lot because he really describes what we see quite a lot, which is, Oscar, we cannot have people spending their time on software testing tasks that can and should be automated. We need future-oriented staff, and we can't afford to make them suffer by asking them needless manual testing. And you will be surprised wherever we go, and, and most probably also for the example customer bill, you know, we, we hear this day in, day out. And this one actually I like the most. I've got more automation in my coffee maker than most enterprises have in their testing process. Obviously, right. the being that the lack of automation is not only expensive, it also holds back innovation. So what is the problem here? So, so why is this and why do we hear this on a daily basis and, and how can we overcome this? And if you unpeel the onion a little bit, basically what we see is that uh, the, the root cause here is that the testing is being done manually because the automation rates on average are between 10, 15%. So, you know, 95% of it basically is resting on the shoulders or 85%, sorry, is resting on the shoulders of the business owners. Because when it comes to true end-to-end business process validation, it's only the business owners actually who know the positive and, and the right outcome that should be validated. So again, the testing is expensive, but holds back innovation. Now, obviously the good news is we, we do have a platform to overcome this, all at the lower cost point that you're spending today. So let's maybe see how some of our customers are overcoming this issue and, uh, and how we can support you. The fundamental part where we always start the journey, and this is sometimes being overlooked actually, interestingly enough, is you know what is the change of impact? Um, because quite many of our customers, when we engage, they start talking about testing and they start uh, talking about the strategy, but actually you're not going to test for the sake of testing. You're going to test for the sake of you know, identifying the, the, the needs that are caused by the changes that you implement in your landscape. 
So how does that work? You know, let's look at an average SAP customer. Well, the challenge is they have around 3,000 scenarios. And if you multiply, but, uh, multiply that by the number of uh, variables uh, and the variance they have in the business processes, you know, soon you have around 30,000 scenarios that need to be validated before you roll anything into production. And that wow. is something that is very difficult. Now, there is a bit of good news. There are technologies also from SAP to kind of reduce this. But on average, we see a 20% reduction. So that is not really going to do the trick. Now, the good news is that together with SAP, we are able to reduce this by 95% uh, in some of the cases. So I've been personally involved in some of the proof of value cases uh, last two weeks. And we saw on average 5% scope reduction on their test effort. Uh, and this is obviously making them very excited because next to the fact that we, we obviously need to talk about automation, but if you could reduce your test scope by 85 or 95%, I mean, obviously that is the key win in here. The way we do this, we will give you a bird's eye view on your landscape so we can specifically articulate which corners, which areas are being impacted. And then next to that, we will do the mapping to your business processes. So identify, you know, what needs to be validated before you're going to go live. Obviously, again, you know, significantly enhancing the, the, the of uh, reducing the risk and enhancing, you know, the quality of the software that you're going to roll out into your production. And this is exactly when we look at one of our reference customers down here in Sweden that got excited about this because when they understood that they could reduce the uh, scope of, of testing or basically the releases, you know, that is where they identified that uh, that they could make the difference because they're in the in business transformation process from a clothing brand to becoming a, a fashionable tech company. And, and that is really means that they need to roll out releases on a weekly or a daily basis rather than on a weekly or a monthly basis. And, and what they see now is that they are able to minimize the business risk, which obviously is, is key, but also significantly reduce the uh, quality assurance cost at the same time. So we finally come to the point of the test automation. So as you can see, you know, in the conversation, we always try to point out, you know, that uh, we kind of need to re to take it one step back. But now that we talk about test automation and coming back to your example, Bill, what we see a lot in the SAP space is that it's not only about SAP. So being able to automate SAP is, is one challenge, but being able to automate any technology under the sun is the second challenge. And I think that's exactly where we differentiate ourselves from anyone in the market space. We are able to support you by automating your full end-to-end -end business process in a non-technical way and, and support all the technologies that you're using. And obviously, again, that will be the key differentiator. And again, if I look at one of our customers using and uh, using the technology, what we see now is that they are running more than 250 test scenarios on a weekly basis. They just click the button and it goes. They are uh, discovering defects on an early stage without going them into production. And therefore, test automation is viewed, uh, viewed as highly, uh, highly quality, but also very business relevant, because obviously it overcomes uh, outages that, uh, that they would typically see if they have bad quality code going in production. Now, the last question we get very often, and particularly in those complex scenarios that you uh, that you pictured, uh, Bill, with your with your reference customer, is the quality of the data. How can I validate if my data is correct? And basically, we see three scenarios in this space. One being verifying the data 
in any kind of analytical landscape. I think we're all familiar with that as well as for replication scenarios in order to check completeness and correctness of data moves. This is also very important, obviously, as you can imagine. And last, uh, for the transformation scenarios to check if business rules have been implemented correctly. And again, you know, if, if we look at enterprise data lakes, customers are building them more and more. And obviously, we, we're going to make business decisions on the outcome of that data. But if, if the data is not correct, you know, that is obviously not good. Now, the challenge in this in this whole area is that data structures keep changing, data keeps changing, business requirements keep changing. So we see a constant change in the environment and that is putting the pressure on, you know, the, the, the validity of the data. So the need for an automated data reconciliation tool is very high in this space. If I can wrap this up, Bill, so basically what I see is that jointly we can significantly reduce the risk uh, give the agility to customers to adapt, you know, new ways of innovation, uh, all at a lower cost point that they're spending today. With that, over to you, Bill. Thank you, Oscar. That was so so helpful. I know testing is a key barrier, uh, especially when you're trying to get a new idea, innovation into the market, and you know, you want to make sure that it's working and it's tested properly. So, great insights. Thank you for that. Now, back to the basic. We just talked about data and applications, but what about documents or in a broader sense, content? How can businesses leverage a holistic approach to managing information lifecycle and making sure that once they move off of a system, that they don't have to keep paying for maintenance and administrative overhead just to stay compliant? How can enterprise content management or maybe simple archiving and accessing information can help? Nick, uh, would be great to hear you um, your thoughts on, on this topic? Yeah, thanks, Bill. Um, when it comes to this type of decommissioning uh, of, of legacy applications, like in this example company that you described, I mean, no doubt there's going to be historical artifacts that you see in the form of, of documents that these customers have. Good examples of it would be uh, I'd say contracts, uh, invoices, uh, goods movement notices, all sorts of, I mean, emails with partners, suppliers, customers, you name it. There's a whole host of document types that these, these customers across these different legacy applications have either generated or collected over the years. And what we see when we go into and discuss with customers who are facing this type of scenario is that many, if not all of them, are struggling with coming up with a plan to, you know, how to go about managing these. Um, at the same time, you correctly pointed out earlier that, you know, this volume of information that's being brought into, you know, and, and, and distributed within today's enterprises is, is growing quite a bit. Um, so a lot of the, a lot of data, a lot of documents that are being created as part of these companies, you know, go about doing their day-to-day -day business. Um, so with many customers, I would say ensuring this complete view of historical events and traceability is critical to, to their success. And it doesn't really matter to them if this, where these systems or which systems these documents originated out of. And it certainly, I would say, doesn't matter to, to their customers, which is really what we should always keep in mind as well. So although this, you know, this kind of my legacy decommissioning is in and how they deal and address with con address their content from those systems is a bridge that have to cross as part of their transformation. The, the good news is, is that with, with SAP, there's a very wide array and robust offering of, of document management or content management solutions that's offered. Um, 
particularly nowadays in, in the cloud. And that's also something of, of strategic importance to customers. And that's where we invest a lot of our time and effort is to you know ensure that customers can bring this rich and robust capabilities around document management and collaboration into the cloud and provide them ultimately with that safe glide path for taking their traditional, maybe perhaps disjointed, silo-oriented organization when it comes to documents and and enterprise information and create a a nice and smooth glide path to becoming an intelligent enterprise. So the common approach really uh, that we see on addressing the immediate need of bringing over this business critical data and content from a legacy decommissioning standpoint is really focused on what is business critical. What what sorts of content and documents are have regulatory components and are, are, are deemed as necessary to keep from a legal standpoint? And from there, customers, once they've brought that over and, and have organized it and you know made it available, not just to be compliant with their own legal and regulatory stipulations, but also ensure that that historical view of, let's say, their customers or partners uh, is complete. The next uh, step and where, where the customers will be in a good position to to go from there is figuring out, you know, how best to innovate on top of this platform of content management solutions and look for ways to, you know, how can systems and applications that, you know, relate and generate and manage this content find its way into, you know, the the modern workplace nowadays, which we see, of course, is driven by SAP. Um, but also we see, you know, emergence of, you know, more and more people operating with inside of Office 365 and inside of Teams. Take that and then also combine it with, you know, how can we intelligently automate some of this content that comes in using, you know, capture, intelligent capture, um, AI and machine learning driven solutions around automating, you know, taking inbound manual processes coming in via paper or email and automating those those processes. I mean, that's ultimately what customers are wanting to do as they transform is not just change the way that they, you know, not do things the way they've always done, but use this platform that SAP provides as a means to drive additional intelligent automation. And a good example of when I'm talking about content that could be, you know, automated would be, I would say, inbound orders that are coming in from customers, of course, uh, invoices. Every customer um, that we that we work with has invoices to pay. Um, so there's opportunities there to automate those processes based on this in- inbound information, uh, as well as you know create some automation around emails that that are coming in and exchange you know between customers and partners. So there's really in terms of the automation capability and opportunity, it's all over the place in terms of the enterprise. So we take that along with you know the things that we're doing and and the innovation we have with with Microsoft and Office 365, and it really creates a, a good a good opportunity for for these customers to leverage these platforms, inclu- driven by you know the business processes from SAP, to enable this collaboration and, and do so in a in a real time way. Uh, the next way is you know sometimes we see customers step back and take a very measured and methodical approach to to how they go about starting this um, this consolidation and conversion of legacy applications, and for those that is uh, certainly a, an advise an advisable way to start um, to to really start with the basics just with you know the archiving and kind of the the document access um, components that SAP offers, and then once they get full grasp of of that. And then perhaps, you know, at phase one or phase two, look at, you know, figuring out ways to, in a, in a measured way, kind of start to dabble into some of the newer, more innovative types of intelligent type of automation. 
So that's typically what we see, you know, when it comes to how customers like this example customer you mentioned earlier would um, would kind of go about approaching and how they would work with SAP along with us to map out their journey and, and get them to that intelligent enterprise. So I hope it gives you a little better idea of, and appreciation for, you know, the role that content plays as part of both the legacy decommissioning exercise that customers undergo, but also you know, how they're, how they're using it to kind of advance their, their mission and, and deliver better and greater services um, beyond. So with yeah, that, back yeah. to you, Bill. Yeah, no, that's great. So not, not just legacy decommissioning, not just compliance, but, you know, transformation, ongoing transformation. You're more agile. Your business processes have 360 degree, the data the co- and the content as well. So great, great. Thank you, Nick. And, and thanks, Leonard and Oscar, for sharing your experiences and best practices as well. Uh, especially on how to think about data, data migration, think broader than that, data quality, bring that in, think of the business context, test your applications. There's a lot of automation that can be leveraged. You heard Oscar talk about, you know, the number of tests that, you know, typically can be done and you can be audited down to a significantly lower number. Um, And then also overall retiring legacy system, making sure you're compliant, you're not paying for stuff that you don't need to, and also your edge out going forward. So really creating a solid foundation for ongoing business transformation. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Please subscribe and follow our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you.